I asked a few young people to give me a memory of their father. Give me one thing that stands out in your mind in that relationship with that man that you call your dad. And people looked around, searched around to find something. What were they searching through to find that thing? Say it out loud for those in the balcony. Memories. Memories. They were searching through memories. And what are memories? Memories are encounters. Memories are encounters that you've had with an individual. In that case, it's the father. Things that stand to your mind. You've had many encounters, have you not? The, the mind wants to select the ones that are positive. And for some people, beyond this room, they have to search far and wide. Some people will go to search and, and they have to pick through the negatives to find a positive. Others have no memory because they never met the man. And the numbers of those in that category are larger now than they've ever been in the state of the world. Young boys, young girls growing up, father deposited the seed and went somewhere else. They never saw that gentleman, never knew him in any type of relationship way. So the church used to be, you could say that, and you would see couples sitting in churches with their children. That's the way it used to be. The majority of churches now, can I tell the truth in this church or should I tell the company line? Let me, let me try to try the truth. Nowadays, you see the majority of churches are filled with single mothers or divorced mothers or unwed mothers as a majority people group. I dare you to go into any church. I don't care what the title is on the front door. Look at the congregation. The majority you will see are women and or children. Where are the fathers? I hear the Holy Ghost. Where are the fathers? Where are the men? For one reason or another, they have been excluded. Do you think that's by accident? That, that man after man after man for, you can give it 10 different reasons. Every man you stop who's had a broken relationship will give you 10 reasons why he's not with that woman anymore and those children or that child. Everyone has a story. But when you sift them like this, you know what a sifter is, right? You, you put the, the meal in the basket and you shake it. And you shake it and the crumbs fall out. What's left over, you will see a, a train of thought. That this selfish generation is not male or female, ladies and gentlemen. It's a selfish generation is weeding and cutting and chopping and dissecting and people are having a difficult time staying together. The divorce rate in the secular society is averaging around 50%. A few years ago, the church was under that in the low 40s. Now the church is almost even with the world on the divorce rate, nearly 50%. Now, how is that possible? 
Go check your stats. How is that possible? We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Bible. We have Jesus. We have the Word of God. Now, if you've got that kind of breakage in marriages, what falls after marriage? Parenthood. It's a given. If marriages break, you are now destabilizing what God said, let who I've joined together not be put asunder. If that breaks, then the parenting couple has been ruptured. Oh, I could just say, oh, it's the devil. No, 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 no. It is the access that the devil has. Mm -hmm. It is not the devil. It is the access that he has into situations. People who are logical, critical, thinkers, analytical, intelligent, yet they will have an impasse. One is saying orange, orange, orange. Other will say red, red, red. Wait a minute, it's orange. No, it's red. No, it's orange. It's red. I know it's orange. I'm looking. No, it's red. I'm looking at it. Impasse. No go, no go, no go. Ladies and gentlemen, we have, and I, I wouldn't care if it, was, if it was one, anywhere where there are children, that's the next generation. And we have a dedicated, dedicated obligation to teach them better than what we had in our generation. And I don't care who you are. And I don't care where you're from. I don't care what country, what nationality. I don't care about any of that. We have a dedicated obligation to teach them better. Amen. Stoic men from, from my culture, stoic men looking proud, looking strong, will not tell the stories. What happened, Dad? How did you get to where you are? Because the facade of pride wants to make it all look, I've got it under control. I've got it all together. So you don't tell that little boy, that young man, about the pitfalls, about relationships, about emotions, about how you get yourself in a situation with somebody and how that lust is not love. Mm. And, and, and control is not the same as being right. And you begin to break things down to people who can appreciate your story. <laughs> My mom's going to listen to this broadcast, so I have to be particular about what I say. Lest I get a long distance phone call. <laughs> okay. I know you're preaching, baby, but there's some things I'd rather not the world to know. <laughs> so I fall out. I'll <laughs> come over on this other side and leave that and go this way. The fatherhood of God is so much greater. It is the ideal. It is the thing that I want to model my fatherhood on. Daddy God, if I can be a father like you, follow your footsteps. Take your examples. Do I need to go back then and, and tell my son, quote, sons, some things? Yes. I'm talking to you brothers in either ways. Yes. Don't be too proud to backtrack 
and say, you know what? I've been telling you A. I found out that age, give it a name, is actually B. Then go back and straighten it out and tell them what it is. Ephesians 3, 14. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God is in this process. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. This is the greatest example of fatherhood. This is the purpose. When I was praying yesterday, calling the names of everybody present in their situation and what they had to do with their life, that's what I was seeing, a family A family called by one father. And then when you cross your borders, come out of your house, go over into another camp and praying for that group that is also your extended family. And so if in our family, divorce is rampant, homes are broken, relationships with fathers and sons and sons and daughters are having strain, our family is under a type of attack. We, who are family members, should be standing up and crying out to God for our family. It's not good to say, oh, well, in my house, everything is fine. Well, you're, you're selfish. And you're distancing yourself from your family. Now, if you lived in a house and you dwell by yourself, and the rest of the family ate or watched television or walked a, went on a walk or whatever you're doing as a family unit, and you were the only one abstaining, 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 you would be questioning, well, how involved are you in the family? Do you understand? We are a family. When God looks from heaven, he's not seeing denominations. Oh, let me see how my Baptist family is doing. Let, let me see how my, my Presbyterian family is doing. Oh, let me, let me see how my, my word of faith... Fa- no! He sees us all. We are his children. It's his family. He's given all of us that spirit, that inspiration. Oh, Father God, help me. Holy Spirit. This is the highest example. In Genesis 1.26, the scripture says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. What is he doing? It's written right there. He made a conscious decision to bring life into the world he created. We have in some of our urban, quote, areas, men who are going in to, quote, foolish women, leaving seed and disappearing. People having drink or intoxication in their system, quote, having fun, laying down with each other, going on their business, only get a phone call. Later, someone says, I'm pregnant. People dropping seed left and right. God is not irresponsible with his seed. 
God is not sleeping around just acting like a, a, a cavalier type. He made a conscious decision. I am going to bring forth life now. And where did he bring the life? Young people, pay attention, please. Into a prepared place. He had the resources to take care of the life before he brought the life forward. This is a lesson for all of us, and especially those who have not gotten married. Before you try to bring children into this world, have a place prepared for them. Is that too plain? Is that too plain? Mm. Have, have things situated so that when that life comes forth, he's not coming forth into economic stress. Emotional stress. Parents haven't, haven't even, in, in a lot of cases, especially here now, even gotten married or bothered to get married and say, well, we'll just live together and if it works out, mm, okay, let's have a baby. I feel like having a baby. <laughs> and the child is thrust out there in the unprepared space with a 50% chance that that relationship will even work. And, and that's what they're getting. And every young person is being blasted 24 hours a day on the television. There was a time, and I make these references only to show the difference in change. Not like somebody who said, oh, back in my day, you know, it's the, the, you know, the typical things, the old grandpa scratching his head, yeah, when I was a kid. Was no, I'm not saying it like that, but I am saying that the change is so significant that to see an unwed mother on television was a shock. That was a bad thing. Now it is common and typical. It's been so infused into the minds of people, it's just what you do. Of course, you're in love, you move in together. You shock up, oh yeah, she's, she's pregnant now. Oh wow, hey mom, I'm gonna be a dad. Hey mom, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be a mother. Oh, that's great, what are you gonna name it? I'm going to name it stupid. After me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't help that one. That one was too close to the end of my tongue. <laughs> this is the kind of mentality that we're getting into. And they want you. Now, this, this is called gaslighting. You do something to someone. Then you tell them, I didn't do that to you. So you want me to agree with you that your way of living is correct. When I can see clearly by the scriptures, it's not. But you want me to believe that it is. You're trying to gaslight me. I know I'm not going to buy into that. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. God took responsibility for the sustainability of that life that he was issuing into the earth. He made resource forward. He made a way forward. There was a plan for it. We asked this question before. When you think about, oh, we want to bring forth seed, bring forth life, what is your child going to be? What is he or she going to do? Have you prayed? Have you seen your son in your prayers? <laughs> have you seen your daughter in your prayers 
when you were saying, Daddy God, I want to have a family. Did you see your daughter when you prayed that? Did you see your wife? We've asked this question before. Did you see <laughs> Sally? <laughs> Did she look like the scriptures? Did you even envision? We were watching some uh, terrible show and they were doing some kind of dating thing and each person was saying, oh, he looks fit. What kind of person do you want to be with? Oh, he's got to be fit. And, and the guy was like, oh, yeah, she, she's, she looks really nice. He said, wait a minute. Everything is external. Yes. What kind of person is she? What kind of, what kind of mother will she be to your children? Okay. What kind of woman is that? What kind of man will he be to your children? I'm not asking those questions. Oh, he's tall. He's short. Uh, he, has, he has money. He drives a nice car. All of these externals, but they never ask what kind of human being are they. And you wonder why the divorce rate is at 50%. Because people are coming together on economic terms, on fame terms. Oh, he's a good athlete. I'm a good athlete. We can get along. I can go even further than that. She's a Christian. He's a Christian. And? 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 Just by saying that person's a Christian, that doesn't mean that relationship is going to work. I just told you, it's 50% divorce rate in the church as well. Among Christians. You need the mind of God. We need the mind of God. Those who are married have to stay together. Those who are not have to find the person after God's heart. Yes. Oh, I want to be like Jacob. I want to go, I want to go marry that one that's beautiful to my eyes. And what happened to the one that was beautiful to his eyes? Rachel, what happened to her? Say it loud for those in the balcony. She died. She died. The one that he chased for 14 years. Worked for Laban for 14 years to get this woman, and she was barren, first of all. So all that chasing, no children. Begged God, she begged God, cried to God, and finally had a child and died. Now, look at that. And the one that he didn't want, her sister Leah, had 11 of the 12 tribes of Israel, 11 sons, gave him all the virginity right there. The one you don't want gave you everything you needed. This is a young man here. He can tell me the answer to this question. When God put Adam to sleep, what name did he ask Adam for the woman he was going to make for him? Did God ask Adam? No. Did he ask him what she, how tall should she be? No. Did he ask him if she should be fat, she be thin, she had red hair, gray hair, brown hair, no hair? I don't know. What, what, what did she ask? He didn't ask him. He made a woman perfect for him. And when he woke up, he was married. <laughs> That's pretty tough. 
You went to sleep single and woke up married. Man, that's, now that's God. And, and she was everything to Adam. So much so that Adam went with her rather than with God. That's how much. Now you could argue and say, well, she was, was the only woman on earth, so it narrows it down a bit. But still, he was so into her that he said to Daddy God, that woman you gave me, <laughs> that woman you gave me was the problem. So even in that, there was a turning back. But what we're saying in the, in the long air of it is, if I had sought God in the beginning, you wouldn't have to seek him again and again and again thereafter. Because when he answers you, his yes is yes. And his no is no. And if you violate that, you will learn in your own life space that is a mistake. If you break God's word, when he tells you clearly, don't do that. There was a man, a strong man. A really strong guy. His parents told him, leave that woman alone. What was his name, brother? Starts with an S. He was very strong. Samson. <laughs> what did his parents say? Leave that woman alone, that Delilah. No, mom. You don't understand. She's <laughs> fine. She likes me. She likes to feel my biceps, my muscles. She thinks my jokes are funny. She likes my riddles. Parents says, son, leave that woman alone. She's a Philistine. She's not going where you're going. Her vision, her worldview is different than yours. Leave it. No. What does he do? He perseveres and begins to play with his calling. There were seven locks from the top of his hair that grew that was the secret of his strength. You see, when you walk with people who are not anointed, your anointing is in jeopardy. Yeah, I said it, I'll say it again. Everything that God gave you now becomes at jeopardy. You're putting at risk. I've seen it a thousand times, and that is not an over-exaggeration. A young person that the Lord's hand was on began to dabble and play with folks who were not anointed and ended out in the streets running with the wrong crowd. Where is the anointing? All of that now goes and suffers. And sometimes it's years before they come back, if at all. What happened with Samson? You know the story quite well. He played with the anointing on his life, created a riddle, finally gave away his secret. If you cut those seven strands, those root strands of hair, I'll be as weak as any other man. And in his sleep, wild men slept. In his sleep, she betrayed him, had his hair shorn off. And then they came and arrested him. He tried to shake himself. He thought he still was anointed. And there was no anointing. That's the deception. You think you can dabble with sin and it won't affect you. It will. The anointing will have lifted off of you and you think you're still anointed. That's why you have so many preachers with girlfriends in the church. My goodness. And children that they fathered in the church. And they think that they're preaching. You're just talking. Mm. You're not preaching. There's no anointing there. My Lord. 
and standing in front of the people of God, you might as well put blood on your hands and lift them up because that's what's there. It's just blood. Mm. Are you understanding? And you think God won't answer from heaven when he gave his only begotten son? That he won't answer from heaven? Of course he will. So the anointing lifted off of Samson and he thought, I'll just shake myself as at other times. And he shook himself and he kept shaking until they put the chains on him. And he was still shaking when they put the chains on and nothing's coming. Nothing's happening. Brother, it's gone. Because you played with the anointing. With someone you should have never been with. Your parents told you, leave that woman alone. And you know the story. I'll end it the way it ends. When God's mercy came on him, his hair began to grow back. Under what circumstance, brother, did the hair grow back? He was in bondage. He was in oppression. He was in a place he should have never been. Mm. You give your gifts away to the spoilers, they will spoil your gifts. Mm -hmm. The prodigal son, same way. Mm -hmm. He woke up what? Slopping pigs. <laughs> feeding off the husk of the, of the swine. He said, what am I doing here? In my father's house, even the, even the servants have more than here. This happens over and over in our generation. How many young people does it have to happen to? Go warn your friends. Go tell your, your college mates. Say, hey, guys, girls, ladies, look. I was at church today and I, and I realized suddenly there's a value in my life. I don't have time to squander it. There's an anointing on my life. I don't have time to play with it. Amen. Give away seven years. Jacob, 14 years of your life chopped away and gone? What could you have done in that 14 years? Come on here. This is the fatherhood of God. This is the example that we have in front of us. Samson then said, well, Lord, if you grant me the strength in my last hour, let me take as many enemies with me. He pushed the pillars down, as you heard, the Colosseum crashed, and he died. But he took them with him. He took some. Mm. And when he died, there were still Philistines. Yeah, yeah. So he, yes, he went out in a blaze of glory, as they say in the Western movies, but he didn't have to go out at all like that if he'd just been obedient. And that's what we're trying to get people to. It's not me standing here saying, oh, my life is perfect. I never made a mistake. That's a lie from hell. What I'm saying to you is learn from the mistakes of others. If you don't want to read the Bible, if you don't want to read the book and learn, at least look around you. Go, go talk to your crazy cousin Larry. He'll tell you. <laughs> go ask your Aunt Sue who's been married 15 times. She'll tell you. Go, go find somebody and say, hey, I don't have to make the same mistakes they made. Mm -hmm. And if it's not for you, it's for your friend. Mm -hmm. What kind of father was God to Jesus? What kind of parenting skills that he displayed with Jesus. What can we learn from looking at him? We see that he gave him as a perfect ransom without defect, sinless, and pure. Now I can stand there for a minute. Let me read the scripture and come back to that. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What kind of daughter and son are you preparing to release into the world? For the parents around the world. Are you 
breeding a Frankenstein's monster to release on society? Are you, are you harnessing a little gem? Are you preparing someone so blessed that whomever God assigns to them, wow, they're going to say, not, they're not going to say, oh, you were trained well. They're going to say you were raised well. That's the difference. That's the difference. I've seen parents who prepared their children only for college, only for university. That's all. Not that that's bad, but it's incomplete. They go to campus first year. They're partying harder than anybody else on campus. And you say, where does wild child come from? Well, they, they've been sheltered. Parents didn't train them for anything else other than education. So therefore, when they got in that environment with Wild Billy and the boys, they went crazy. They said, this person used to be so, so disciplined. Yeah, but they weren't prepared for that environment. They weren't prepared to live. How many young people here are ready to live among sinners and not get caught up? I'm asking around the world, so don't, don't think it's just in here. I'm asking around the world. How many young people are ready to go from mama's house to the dorm room, to the fraternity, to the sorority, and not get caught up? How many young people have enough spiritual fortitude, can I go that way, enough inner strength that they can stand in the midst of those who are smoking and say, I don't care. I'm not interested in cigarettes. Those who are drinking say, I don't care. I'm not interested in alcohol. I have a bigger vision inside of me about my future. This is for the world, ladies and gentlemen. God gives a perfect son to an what? Imperfect world. Sheep among wolves. Now, that is incredible. So if I'm raising my son, my daughter correctly, they'll be able to step out of the shadow of mom and dad's house and stand secure in God because they have a relationship with him. This is what we want to reproduce to all believers. Is that fair enough to say? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Try to save the next generation. He vouched for him. The father vouched for Jesus, saying in Matthew 17, 5 and 6, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces. And we're so afraid. What happened? The authority of the father was transferred onto the son in an instant. And the respect and the awe of God hit all of the disciples. And they recognized whose son he was. When they learned that that's your son. When they learned that that's your daughter. How will they react? That's your child. Oh, that's Billy's son. Wow. Billy's, Billy's a great man. That kid, that kid's got to be sharp. Why? Because the reputation of the father has preceded the son. 
when the father stood up for Jesus, the disciples fell back. The awe of God came on them. So what is that? That's a transference. What you have trained, what you have raised, what you have put into them, now when they go forward, the reputation precedes them. Oh, Father God, help us. Help us see the deeper meanings here, Jesus. Second Peter 1, 17. For he received from God, the Father, what? Honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That is the reinstatement. That is the establishment. That is the going forth of God's speaking for you. Matthew 28, 18 says it this way. And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. When he finished his assignment, every authority that he laid down was restored to him. All power in heaven and in earth. We can finish. We can finish here. We move now. This is where you and I come into the conversation. This is where we stand and say, Daddy God, as you have done with Jesus, so do with me. I don't know about you praying that. I'm praying that now. As you have done with Jesus, so do with me. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. The what? The sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Therefore, if Jesus, the son of God, stands before the Father, and the Father vouches for him, are you not, by adoption, the sons of God? Are we not the sons of God? Then we are asking God to do what? Do for us as you've done for Jesus. Go before me, Daddy God. Open the way before me. Lead me in the way. That's... That's incredible. That is incredible. Second Peter 1 Peter 1.4 Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of what? The divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This invitation means that you can say I have the nature of God in me. No, I am not God. As in some who blaspheme and say that they are God. No, I have the nature of God. I have been born again from above. That's what we're saying. Now Jesus says to you as brother, as Lord, as your elder brother even. You are in the family of God like this. The divine nature is dwelling in you. So then how can I live less? when he died for better and for more. How can I go beneath his level? And he's telling me, I've opened the way for you to live exactly here. This is a process that takes something of a lifetime. But this is one thing I can guarantee you. The more you submit to the process, the quicker you walk in that level of understanding. I wished what I just heard now I wish I heard that 30 years ago. Me too. I wish someone had explained to me that I can walk beyond the level 
of my culture, beyond the level of my home community, beyond the level of my home country. I don't, I don't have to be subjected to what they say and what they are doing. There's a divine law. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. There's a divine law that's breaking forth in our midst now. It's a calling of God to call us to that higher nature, that divine nature to live in. Not to be weird and spooky, but it's to walk according to his purpose. Yes. What did he purpose in Christ the day you gave your heart to the Lord? What was the Father's plan? Mm -hmm. Oh God, I want to see. I want to see more. I want to see more of this divine nature manifested. Am I not to share it and partake of it? 2 Corinthians 6, 17 clearly says, Wherefore, come out. Where? Come out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Almighty, the Lord Almighty. Am I making that up, ladies and gentlemen? No, I'm not. I'm talking about a reality check. We're going to get some people out of the hospital. Amen. Amen. We're going to get some people out of the hospital with this gospel right here. The first time I went to the Warnford, it was for a young man that they were about to commit. He was about to sign his life away. God sent me there right at the moment he was about to sign the papers. I said, don't you sign that. Don't you dare sign it. Don't you let them inject you with anything. There's nothing wrong with your mind. There's nothing wrong with your mind. You have the mind of Christ. Help me, Jesus. You have the mind of God. Don't you give up what God gave to you. And we walked out of the door. And he was not committed and to this day, he's married with children, working, making money, living. I'm telling you, this devil will steal anybody who's not protected. Anybody who's not covered by the blood, he will come after them. We are the ones who stand in the gap. That's why I get loud. That's why I get emotional. That's because it's personal to me. How dare you have the power of God in you and someone that close to you can go down. No. If I know you, if I'm connected to your life in any way, I will be fighting for your cause. Mm. That you see God in your life. And you must be the same way with everybody around you. Amen. You should become godly angry at the number of people, young boys, put on Prozac. Put on Ritalin. Told, oh, you have ADHD and thrown away, given vaccines with mercury in them, destroying our brains. Yes. Lord, help me, Jesus. You know too much to let anything like that go around. You, your family, your friends, anybody you know mm -hmm. is subject to the truth of God that is in you. If you don't want to hear it, then tell me to shut up. But I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to tell you until you tell me to shut up. 
And now I'm probably running behind you telling you still while you're telling me to shut up. Till you shut the door in my face, I'll be outside your window. <laughs> That's what I mean to be that way about the truth. You are holding something that will save the world, literally. <sighs> Hallelujah. There was a woman preaching in city center yesterday. And, and two young boys stood up to jeer against her. And I was so proud of her. Do you know what she did? She kept on preaching. Ha <laughs> ha! I said, go, sister, roll with it. Don't know, don't let them face you. And they were shouting. And somebody went over to talk to them. She didn't break a sweat. And she didn't even look around. I said, roll, go, 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 go. Don't let anybody shut you down. Don't let anybody stifle the truth that is in you. Don't be intimidated. You're standing in the place where God has called you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. From the Amplified, we're nearly there. From the Amplified, look at this. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them, but bring them up how? Tenderly, with loving kindness, in the discipline, there it is, and instruction. Marry those two together. Discipline and instruction together. Colossians 3.21, again from the Amplified. Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or exasperate your children with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by favoritism or indifference. Treat them tenderly with loving kindness so they will not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated with their spirits broken. God's instruction. Lead them. Don't drive them. We're praying, Father, in Jesus' name, for every man who is a father. Can you stand with me? We're praying for every man who is a father. Again, we're praying the same prayers we prayed earlier. In the name of Jesus, Daddy God. Every father who is willing to learn the word of God, to be a better father, help those men. Help these men, anyone who is willing to learn the word of God and be a better husband, yes, to be a better leader at home, yes, to be a better provider. Help them transform right now in this very moment or wherever they shall hear this word and pray this prayer. Transform their minds. Transform their hearts. Give them tenderness towards their children where they've been too hard or too rough. Give them tenderness towards their wives where they've been too hard or too rough. Change their language into the language of love. Change their language, Daddy God. Let them speak to themselves with more mercy and compassion so they can speak to others with more mercy and compassion. Again, Daddy God, we forgive, we let go, and we release every man who failed in his duties, who didn't do what he should have done, who's not doing now what he should be doing. We put him in your hands. Let you turn the heart of the King, Father God. Let you turn 
turn the heart of that man unto God. That he repent and come to Christ before it is too late. But we forgive him and let him go. We take off every stripe, every negative word that was spoken against us, every negative action done against us. We break it and remove it. Every past hurt, we let it go now and receive your full forgiveness for ourselves and for them. In the name of Jesus, every brother, every cousin, every uncle, every nephew, we pray over them now in the name of Jesus that they become. And over these young men now who have heard this word, Daddy God, that they grow up in the right state of mind, that they become loving fathers, loving husbands, that they not be wicked and selfish and egotistical and narcissistic, Daddy God, that they understand your loving, gentle nature and be ready for that godly wife that you have made ready for them, that they find a wife and find a good thing, not some Jezebel or a harlot or a trickster, but the one that God has sent and preserved in the name of Jesus. We believe you, Daddy God, and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Find your neighbor, your friend, and tell him you have a good father. Hallelujah, you have a good father.